The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Central City Chronicle, the unofficial The Flash internet radio show exclusively on poppychularadio.com. Poppychula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, May 9th, and I am your host, Professor X. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of The Flash. Later on in the broadcast, get spent for a spoiler alert as we bring you the hit CW series, Casting Scoop, Spoilers, and Ratings. Please welcome my co-host for this episode, Jess. Hi, everybody! Let's jump right into our recap of episode 2.20, entitled Rupture, which aired on May the 3rd. Here's our official synopsis of the episode. We pick up with a powerless Barry working with Cisco and a hologram to fool people into thinking the Flash is still active in the city. But it's not enough. Harry insists their only option is to recreate the accelerator explosion to give Barry his speed back. But the consequences to Barry and the city could be dire. So Barry consults with his three father figures, Joe, Harry, and his actual father, Henry, about what to do, but realizes ultimately it has to be his decision. Before he can make that decision, Iris confesses her love for Barry, giving him something else to think about. Zoom returns to Earth-1 to take over Central City and brings along a metahuman pal named Rupture, who wants to kill Sisko because he thinks Sisko killed his Earth-2 brother, Vibe which means Rupture is Earth-2's Dante Ramon, who just happens to be with Sisko when Rupture shows up looking for vengeance. Meanwhile, Barry insists the accelerator option is too dangerous, so they decide they will use the video game setup to beat Rupture, which they do. Unfortunately, Zoom then shows up, kills a bunch of cops, and tells everyone watching on live TV the Flash is gone. Barry blames himself for what happened and goes into a pocket accelerator where he's blasted with energy and disintegrates before the horrified eyes of the entire flash mob. Oh, Wally and Jesse escaped, by the way, and were exposed to the accelerator energy, but I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. Oh, and Barry's dad earlier in the episode mentioned his mom's maiden name was Garrick, just like Jay Garrick, the guy in the mask in Earth 2, but I'm sure he was just making conversation and that doesn't mean anything either. The important thing is the flash is dead. We all saw it. And just in case we missed it, Zoom actually explained it all to us. He zipped in, picked up the tattered remains of Barry's uh, costume and said, The Flash is dead. You killed him. So I guess that means the series is over. It's been fun, but this will be our last episode. Jeff, it was the last episode of The Flash, obviously. What did you think about it? You know, I liked it. Jess, you're the only co-host I have. You might want to go into a little more detail. <laughs> I liked it. Um, I, I 
liked most of the aspects of it. I was a little bit frustrated about how long it took for Barry to be like, yeah, okay, like, I guess we can do this. I mean, I understand the whole hesitation thing, but also, like, if they don't, like, if they didn't give him back his powers, Zoom would have come back and, and destroyed that Earth and many other Earths, probably all the other Earths, until someone stopped him. Like, he just would have kept going, and so it was frustrating for me to be like, why is this such a big decision? But then I was like, wait a second, Jessica, you know that it's not real, but, like, they don't, like, if, if you were in Barry's shoes, would you really want to risk dying and being in a coma if you didn't die? Like, what happens if it was, like, a super coma where he was in it for, like, nine years instead of nine months or, like, 900 years? I don't know. I It made there's, me question. There's a lot that Barry has to accept on Faith, which is that Harry is right about the particle accelerator that it's not going to disrupt the city like it did before, that it's going to give him exactly the same powers he had. It's not going to plunge him into a coma for six months. So, yeah, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. On the other hand, using standard comic book logic, we expect our heroes to just jump into the breach and do this sort of stuff. So we'll get into, you know, Barry's decision later. But before we get into a thorough recap, here's a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Central City Chronicle. You can follow the station on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pappy Chulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at papichuloradio.com. Are you a Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or a blog contributor? I mean, I'm just saying there's only two people on this podcast, so go for it. Email talent at papichuloradio.com. You can binge listen to your favorite Papi Chulo Radio programs by visiting papichuloradio.com slash archives. And you can search for the Central City Chronicle through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not leave a five-star review? It doesn't hurt you in any way. So let's get into the episode in some depth. Jess, we talked uh, a little bit about Barry's ultimate decision, but let's uh, put that off until it actually happens in the episode. What did you think about the video game setup they had that they were using for the hologram? Hologram. Why did Barry even have to be running? Why couldn't they just generate a computer version of Barry? I mean, maybe that would have taken more time. We don't know how much time has passed between Barry losing his powers and, and you know, this new holographic setup. But, I mean, if you look at it from Barry's point of view, him losing his powers, I mean, yeah, on a personal level, it sucks. But also, like... What if you're just a regular average person in Central City and all of a sudden something terrible happens and you don't see the Flash and it's like, what the fuck? Like, where's the Flash? I have no idea where he is. Has he gone evil? Is he dead? Who is the Flash? So, like, maybe, like, some nosy journalist would be poking around being like, well, the Flash hasn't been here for a while. Maybe I should file a Freedom of Information request and find out who he is. Maybe I should do some digging. And, like, that could get him in shit. And so I think, you know, making the choice to to put together an illusion to give the people of Central City hope and the illusion that they are safe was smart, if not, you know, a little bit strange. Because they could have done like a, a 
better, I guess, generation of Barry, but also, I don't know, I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of funny because, of course, Cisco would be behind that. And, of course, like, I liked it because I feel like if Barry had absolutely no part to play in bringing the Flash to life, like, he just would have been a depressed loser over the course of this episode. And he just would have been, like such a drag which he's entitled to be because he's lost his powers but i mean i don't want to see that unless he cries because i think him crying is super hot but that's neither here nor there leaving aside what you think about uh grant gaston crying i i agree with you and i hadn't thought about it until you just said it which is that i think they could easily have set up a an interactive system in which it was basically just cisco playing a video game I don't think it was necessary to have Barry running on a treadmill to make that happen. But by doing that, by making it sort of a motion capture system, it involves Barry in the process. And I think you're right. I think that is important for Barry, just as it is important for the the city, the the residents of Central City to realize that the Flash is still out there, even if it's uh, not entirely true. But even though Barry and Cisco have found a way to virtually recreate the Flash, Barry as a character, seems lost without his speed. Later in the episode, uh, when he's being strapped into the accelerator, he makes it clear how much he misses his speed, but even early on, he went to talk to his father about the danger uh, and whether it's worth going through it to regain his speed. What did you think about the idea of reintroducing uh, Henry, uh, Barry's father, at this point? I thought that it worked very well, but also... When I saw him, I was like, wow, he got super old. That's not a bad thing. I just was struck by how much it looked like he had aged. And I wonder if that was on purpose. And I even went back and checked like in season one, um, in one of like the last episode he was in in season one, his hair was still like a sandy brown. There weren't as many eye, like lines around his eyes and mouth. But when you see him here, he's got lines all and like wrinkles all around his mouth and his eyes and just all over his face and his hair looks gray. And I was like, is that intentional? Are they trying to tell us that something is wrong with Henry Allen? And then well, he good. didn't bring it up because Barry was in the middle of a crisis. Well, good question. So Barry went to get his dad and brought him back to Central City to stay. Do you think that means John Wesley's ship has a recurring gig for the next season? Or do you think there's something darker coming? I think, I mean, I don't I don't hope because Barry has had enough shit go down in his poor little special snowflake life. But I, I hope that they incorporate Henry a little bit more. You know, it, it really, and I think I said this at the time, like, when we were reviewing that episode, but when Henry left after getting out of prison and just, he was like, well, I'm out of prison now and I completely wasn't there for you in all of your childhood through your teenhood and probably most of your adulthood so far, but, uh, I gotta go. I, I, di I didn't like that. I thought it was really stupid. I was like, why... I understand not wanting to stay in Central because, you know, memories and, and your wife died here, but you still have your son. Why aren't you staying for him? Barry essentially is a big melting pot of parental issues, and I feel like having Henry around would have at least helped some of those daddy issues. So I, I wasn't impressed with the decision 
to kind of um, ship him off as soon as he was free of the slammer. But also, like, I don't know what was happening behind the scenes or if there was a reason for that. Like, they, they might have been building up to this. So I do hope that they will find more use for Henry. And, like, uh, okay, was I the only one that noticed that he kind of looked older than he had previously? Or I didn't notice that at all. It may be significant. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, in the next few episodes. But you make a, a good point because like you I thought at the time you know Barry has spent his entire life trying to get his dad broken out of prison and the first thing his dad does is go okay I'm out of town bye and vanishes and I thought at the time that was a little weird but it kind of makes sense from a storytelling sense because one of the strongest scenes in this episode I thought was where Barry's three father figures face off about what they think he should do having the three voices there allowed them to explore the options and I personally thought all three of the actors uh, Harry Joe and Henry were all fantastic. But if we hadn't, if we'd reintroduced uh, Henry before now, we'd have been dealing with that sort of conflict every week. So I think saving it to this point gave them the chance to, you know, debate with each other and, and, and you know, discuss Barry's future as, you know, father figures in a way that they wouldn't have had if they'd been doing it on a week by week basis. Uh, getting aside from that, what did you think just about that episode, that part of this episode where, uh, uh, Joe, um, Henry and Harry were weighing in on what they thought was the right thing for Barry to do? I thought that it was actually a really powerful scene because I mean, yeah, Henry is Barry's biological father and he was there for him for the first, like, decade or so of his life, right? Because Barry's mom died when he was 11. I'm such a bad fan. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say 11. But like, Joe was the one who picked up the pieces and made sure that he was okay. And every time he ran away, Joe was the one who went and brought him back. Joe is the one who sat with him when he was having nightmares. Joe is the one who made sure that he was doing okay through all of this. So I think, is it wrong for me to say that I think that if, if it were me in Barry's position, I would hold Joe's opinion with a lot more weight because I see a lot more of a fatherly bond between him and Barry, where Henry and Barry it's it's very much more so like like a little boy looking up to an idol that he's hoping that he can be but but Barry and Joe are have kind of more that father-son dynamic where Barry will yell at him and Joe will be like okay well I still love you like I don't care if you're going to be a brat you're still my son and Harrison Wells actually is his idol and, you know, kind of came into his life unexpectedly from another Earth. And he's he's a genius. He's brilliant and he's crotchety. And I, I don't know if I would go so far as to, as to call him a father figure, but I can definitely see Barry kind of, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but Barry kind of looking for approval from all three of them in a bit of a different way. He's after the same thing with all three of them. And so it's interesting to kind of see them 
debating over his future because I think, you know, it would be easy for them to be like, okay, like we are your collective father and we have made this decision for you. And Barry kind of has to let go of his daddy issues and be like, okay, well, this is my choice. Like, sorry, guys. No, I think you're right. And maybe calling them father figures, maybe calling them mentors might be a better term, particularly when it comes to uh, Harrison. But I think you made a really good point there, which is that it was important that because they had three father figures, it wasn't simply a dyad, one saying this, the other saying that. You had Jesse Martin in the middle. And the thing is, Jesse Martin playing Joe is so much the dominant figure in Barry's life that if he had weighed in on either side, I think that would have tipped the balance in that direction. So I think the way they did it, having basically Harrison Wells arguing, you have to do this, having Henry argue, you have to do that, and Joe saying, look, I don't know, it has to be your decision. I think having him in there in that format made it necessary because if they hadn't had the third mentor slash father figure in there, it would have forced uh, Joe to take one side or the other. And because Joe really, as you say, is Barry's ultimate father figure. Um, I think if he'd taken one side or the other, that would have uh, that would have unbalanced the scale significantly. So I think that's uh, that's absolutely true. Moving on from that and, and staying on the theme of family relationships, I said last week when we were talking about the show that the episode was really more about Harry, specifically Harry's relationship with his daughter. This week was much more about Barry and Barry's decision, but there was a, a very, very large and significant subplot dealing with Cisco. Now, Spoiler alert to the people listening at home, the only reason I've asked for all the other uh, co-hosts to be eliminated from this episode, which is within my power, is because I wanted Jess to have plenty of time to talk about Cisco. So, Jess, <laughs> what did you think about Cisco's relationship with Dante? Dante, you stupid shit! I bet your soul smells like cheese! He's the worst older brother ever. And I have an older brother, so who is not nearly as bad as Dante. <laughs> Why, Dante? Why? Like, he obviously, Cisco has some, like, if I were Dante and I had been through, you know, everything that Dante went through with Cisco with my brother, like, obviously, I would understand, okay, my brother, he has all this weird shit going on. He knows metahumans. Hey, it's not too much of a stretch to think that he works with the Flash and he's got an important job and I should probably take the stick out of my child prodigy ass and be a nice guy for once. No, totally. And kudos too, by the way, the character playing Dante for not sort of like trying to, oh, I want my character to be likable. Dante was basically just the asshole older brother. Now, I thought he did have some development later on. You got a sense that, you know, as with anyone who has siblings, there's always a sense that no matter how they piss you off, you're going to reach out to them. So I, I kind of thought that made sense. But what did you think about Cisco's arc? What did we learn about Cisco's character by seeing how he related to his older brother, despite what his older brother had done to him earlier on? You know, now that you bring that up, I'm starting to see more of a an approval theme running through this episode. Like Barry wants approval from Harry, from Joe, from Henry. And Cisco is kind of looking for approval for a relationship with his brother. Like he didn't have to, once he vibed and had that vision that Dante was in trouble, he didn't have to do it considering, you know, their relationship as it is. 
but he did because Dante is his brother. And even though he's kind of an egomaniacal uh, asshole, like he still wants to help him and protect him because when it comes down to it, they are brothers and somewhere deep down, they love each other. But also, let me just say, like, I think that Dante is jealous of Cisco because who wouldn't be jealous of Cisco? Well, from Dante's point of view, though, Dante is a successful concert pianist. He views Cisco as just a mechanical engineer. He doesn't realize what Cisco is doing. And I think part of the arc of this episode is uh, uh, him realizing, oh my God, Cisco is helping the Flash. Cisco has traveled to other worlds. Cisco is more than just my little brother who I continually ignored and put down, everything like that. Damn it, Cisco is pretty amazing. And I thought they managed to get that point across, even though technically it was Cisco who was hugging his brother. But I thought that that came across as, as uh, a moment of recognition for both of them. Yeah, I did. I did really like that. Um, actually, I think that this show in general really nails the family angle. They might not always get the romance right 100% of the time, but they really, they know what they're doing when it comes to family relationships, and that is more than half the battle for a show like this. At least I think so. Well, yeah, and I think you made an interesting point, or, or well, when I say you made an interesting point, you brought <laughs> out something that I brilliantly brought out, which is the idea of that a, a large sub-theme of this episode was seeking approval. And, and I, I don't know if you were to sit down with the writers and say, was this conscious or not, but it really does seem to come out that, uh, that a lot of the characters are seeking approval, that they're seeking someone else to, uh, to weigh in and say that, you know, I approve of what you've done, even as we'll see Zoom seem to be seeking that. But before we get to that, we got a little more of Caitlin in distress in this episode. She managed to find a way to foil Zoom's plan, but as we'll see, the consequences didn't turn out very well. Jess, what do you think about the way the writers are dealing with Caitlin, and do you think that says anything about how they treat female characters on this show in general, or is it just Caitlin? Honestly, like, I see this a lot on television, and, you know, I've never been in a hostage situation where Stockholm Syndrome was a possibility or anything, but I see this all the time on dramatic TV shows, and I'm like, why are you being an idiot? Why can't you just pretend to go along with what this person wants? And then, like, when they trust you, they can, like, unlock unlock your shackles or whatever, and you can fucking just, like, I don't know, slip them a trank dart or something, and then run. Like, you just have to act like you, you are in line with their completely insane worldview. That's all you have to do. Sure, it'll chip away at your soul and destroy all of your humanity, but it, you can get that back when you're free. To be fair to Caitlyn, she's going up against a guy who's beaten the Flash, black and blue, who is, you know, super-powered, whereas she is not. So, to a certain extent, I think you can argue that they were trying to show that she still has agency, uh, she's still her own um, entity, she's still fighting Zoom in her own way, even if it didn't work out quite as she might have wished. But you know, I know a lot of people have talked about the, uh, the idea of, you know, uh, Caitlyn as the damsel in distress, and despite her obvious intelligence, despite her obvious skills... It does seem that she's being sort of, you know, locked up with the bad guy just to give the good guys an incentive to try to save her. So I can understand how some people would find that they're not doing as much as they might with uh, Daniel Panabaker's character. 
Danielle Panabaker is a great actress. I've seen her in other things and absolutely marveled at her ability. And I, I do think that sometimes Caitlyn is not given the greatest, okay, all the time. Caitlyn is not given the greatest plot lines. That said, I don't know, like it's, it's, I, I never thought of her as a, as a damsel in distress, I guess, because like, if it hadn't been her, Zoom would have taken someone else, probably Cisco, because Cisco can't keep his beautiful mouth shut. So you're but saying it, that it, just, uh, it happened to be Caitlyn has a romantic attraction to Cisco as well. Well, this is getting interesting. <laughs> no, he. I feel like he's just kind of evil, and he would have just taken someone to be like, "Hey, hey, hey, Barry, guess what? Guess what? I got your buddy. I'm better than you are. I'm faster than you are. And and now I have your buddy." Yeah, you nice try, Jess. I I know you're a dedicated shipper. I know you're writing, you know, uh, Zoom Cisco Zisco slash fiction on the side. <laughs> Did you just make that name up right now? That is, that is uh, You know amazing. what? Let me yes, slow clap. I don't think anyone the in the history of the show has ever thought to cross Zoom and Cisco. Um, I have but, disgusting images in my mind and poor Cisco. I hope that, you know, Zoom is nice to him. Let me just say vibrating appendage. <laughs> Anyway, Joe and Harry lock up their kids. It's not all bad. There's some vibration yes, so. going on. <laughs> so prior to Zoom coming back to Earth One, uh, Joe and Harry lock up their kids, Jesse and Wally, in a, a special room to keep them safe from Zoom. Now, maybe I'm just a, a dedicated shipper. I don't know. I'm turning to you as the person who thinks that, you know, Zoom and Cisco should up together. So obviously you're, you're a shipper. Did you get a romantic vibe between Jesse and Wally or was that just me? I personally did, but literally I have loved Wally since he set foot on 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 the screen. Like I haven't been quite as harsh with him as our other hosts have been known to be. I personally understand exactly where he's coming from. I completely get the character. I think he's well done. And Amazingly, I get Jessie too. I mean, less so than Wally, but I get her too. And I think those characters mesh well together. And I think that there's some potential there. Like, I'm not, I'm not like an ultimate shipper or anything. Like, I won't sacrifice the quality of the show overall just to see Zisco, Zisco, my little love boat floating along in Swan Lake, humming a love song. But I, I think they would be cute. I'm just saying, I think, I think if Wally wanted it, he could get it. Yeah, I, I definitely got the vibe that they were setting up the possibility that it exists. Um, now, so they're locked away to keep them safe, but ultimately by combining Jesse's smarts with Wally's desire to help, which was nice because it uh, uh, played back something uh, Joe had said earlier about uh, Wally inheriting the, uh, the West desire to help out. Uh, so the two of them escape from the room, but, you know, they end up being hit by the accelerator blast from Barry. In the comics, both Jesse Quick and Wally West become speedsters. Do you think that's what they're setting up, or is this just some elaborate fake-out that the writers are doing for geeks like me who've actually read the comics and are salivating at the possibility of seeing Jesse Quick and uh, and uh, Kid Flash in the, com- in the uh, TV show? I, th- I think there's a very real possibility that they are setting it up. However, oh, this is 
is gonna make me sound like such a bad comic geek, but I'm sorry. I just, I don't want Wally to have his powers this early. I don't want Jesse to have her powers this early because Smallville was on for 10 seasons and it started getting stale about halfway through and they started running out of plot lines and completely misusing characters. And I, I don't want to see that happen to The Flash. I think that there are lots of great stories to be told, but I kind of want them to take their time with it. No, I think that's that's a good point. And I think there is always the tendency uh, among writers in a show like this where you're thinking, oh, the show is ending, the season is ending, we have to uh, get all this crammed in. Um, it, it might be nice if they could you know, deal with these things uh, a little more slowly, but... I suspect that if they're going to develop the powers, we'll see that within, by the end of the season, which is to say, within, you know, two or three episodes. Um, Zoom's, in this series, this past season, Zoom has always been a good bad guy, but I thought he was super creepy in this episode. Keeping Caitlin chained up like the damsel in distress, even the way he changed his voice like Zoom, so that the idea that Zoom is a completely different personality from Hunter Zolomon. And, oh my god, the way he killed all those police officers in that one scene. My question is, have they made Zoom too powerful or too scary at this point? I, I do wonder how Barry is going to be able to kind of, well, not kill him, but subdue him. I mean, how, how do you deal with a villain like Zoom if you're not going to kill him? Like, where can they put him that he would be safe in because I don't think that a regular place in the pipeline or in Iron Heights even with the superhero modifications I don't necessarily know if that would work because he's really really hyped up with all that extra speed and also he's him, a psychopath well yeah we've seen him so powerful and killing absolutely for no reason they're sort of setting up a situation where I don't see how Barry can just lock him away I think, you know, they're, they're setting up the season in which Barry's going to have to make a decision. Is it worth killing this guy? Because as we've seen in the past, even with Reverse Flash, Barry was unwilling or unable to kill someone. Which, you know, in an arrow sense, some might regard as his weakness. But, you know, makes him a, a more conventional hero. One yeah. Of things, one of the things Zoom does in this episode when he's talking to uh, Caitlin when she's chained up uh, in the police station is trying to persuade Caitlin that she's more like Killer Frost than she realizes, that there's a darkness in her. Do you buy that? Do you buy the idea that there is something in Caitlin Snow that's going to come out in the next season or so as a metahuman or as a darker personality, or will she continue to be, you know, the Caitlin Snow that we all know and love? Honestly, she has been through so much. So if they decided to go through with Caitlin, you know, not quite becoming Killer Frost, but on the road to that, where she has to make a decision, like, do I keep being Caitlyn Snow, or do I take up the mantle of Killer Frost? I can understand that. Like, I think maybe after everything that she's been through, something inside of her is a little bent, if not outright broken. But also, like... <sighs> See, it's... It's so difficult for me because I really like Caitlyn as she is, but also Killer Frost was kind of a badass, and I I would like to see, you know, that kind of power development, but also 
maybe she's gonna have to tap into that killer frost side of her to kind of I don't want to say beat Zoom, but kind of help herself out against Zoom. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I was kind of halfway expecting that the particle accelerator explosion would, you know, be a mistake and it would just blast the city again. And then, you know, Caitlin Snow would develop powers of Killer Frost. But in the end, they didn't do that. Harry was right. He managed to channel the power of the particle accelerator explosion. And in the end... Barry decided to undergo the accelerator because he believed, as he said, the Flash was the best part of him. Which was, you know, it was touching in a way because he realized all the good he could do as a superhero versus all the good he could do as not a superhero. And decided that, you know, even though so many people had said that, look, Barry, you're a good person. You're good enough. He realized that it wasn't as good as he could be. And that's why he was willing to take the risk. Okay, one significant thing that happened, not necessarily in terms of the, uh, the larger plot versus Zoom, but in terms of the characters and how they've been relating for the past couple of seasons is while Barry is debating the idea of whether or not he should expose himself to the uh, the energy from the accelerator and possibly regain his powers, possibly not, Iris comes up and basically confesses her love to him. She says that she's been thinking about him in a romantic way, which of course is something that Barry has always wanted but never seemed possible. It comes at a difficult time for Barry because even as he's thinking about do I dare to, you know, uh, put myself in, in the uh, uh, in the range of the accelerator? Do I dare to take this chance? Iris is suddenly giving him a reason not to risk his life, a reason to stick around, a reason to live. So, Jess, what did you think about first Iris's confession about how she felt, and secondly, her timing? Well, first of all, has there ever been an expression of feelings at any point in the history of time? that was actually well-timed, like that happened at a genuinely good time. Like to me, they're just all somewhat inconvenient and they just kind of happen that way. Has there ever been a conveniently timed expression of feelings? I'm sure there have. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm just guessing over the entire span of human history. Yes, once. Go ahead, your second point. Okay, see, fine, once. So, but like, <sighs> I, I've given Iris a lot of flack, and I've only recently started, I think since their visit to Earth 2, I've only recently started warming up to her because we saw that she could be much more than simply Barry's dream girl because everything about her had been, you know, more of an asset to make her the girl of Barry's dream rather than Iris Rest iris west a character on her own sort of thing and so for me as much as this was cliche cw shit all the way i i did understand you know why she made the confession the way that she did and i, I know you said like she confessed her love for him and it was ill-timed and everything I, it, to me, it was basically a love confession. It wasn't actually a love confession. Like, she never said, Hey, Barry, I'm in love with you. Or, Hey, Barry, you make me want to punch babies in the jugular. Wow, that would be the strangest romantic uh, confession of all time. Of punching babies in the jugular. I Maybe that's why that guy never gave me his number. But, regardless, she never actually said, like, I'm in love with you. I, I think she expressed herself to the point where 
she's like, hey, like, I think there could be something there, which is kind of a shitty thing to do to a person, but given all she's been through, I'll let it slide, whatever, like, and Barry is too much, like, I think he knows what she's trying to say because he's her best friend, he knows her better than everyone else, but he's also a nice guy, so he's not gonna push her when she says, like, I I've been thinking about it, and I, I think that there's something real, there's real potential here, because you you've seen her in past episodes contemplating that Earth 2 reality and contemplating, you know, when they unlocked season one Harrison Wells' little future shop of horrors and there was that hologram newspaper on the wall and the byline read Iris West Allen. Like, she has known for quite a while that in, in some capacity, Barry is romantically linked to her in the future, so she's she's been playing with the idea it's been in the back of her mind maybe they didn't quite give it they didn't give barry the love confession that he deserved but they gave him what iris was able to give him at that point and i think really that's all that she should be expected to give okay we can cut there or we can add this it didn't give him the love Ex <laughs> I thought that was going to work so well. It didn't give him the love expression he deserved. It gave him the love expression he needed. Aww. She In a Batman he, sense. Now she thinks that he's dead too and just her whole life has just fallen apart. She should have oh. told, told him that he makes her want to punch babies in the jugular. You know what? It's interesting you say that because I hadn't really considered that point because if they hadn't had her make that confession when she watched him die, that would have totally changed the emotional resonance of that. So from a storytelling point of view, I think it probably does make more sense that she made that confession when she did. Yeah, because she was worried about losing him a second time and not necessarily like I don't think her mind was on on the track of him dying but do you remember in the first season when she confessed like it was really hard for me when you were in the coma for nine months and Eddie was there for me and it started with coffee and blah 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 so technically Barry being in a coma for nine months prior to the first season was his worst cock block huh Anyway, and that's now where we're sad. Now I'm it's just saying cock block. <laughs> now it's super sad because he's dead or gone or whatever. And now, I don't know. I. Ugh. It wasn't the love confession he deserved. It's the CW. I'm fine with it. And also, he's not dead, right? I hope he's not dead. You see, I was just going to let that, I was expecting this cut in there, but I kind of liked, he's not dead, right? Long, long, <laughs> long pause. I hope he's not dead. So, we saw Barry make that decision, we saw the particle accelerator stop, and we saw Barry disintegrate. Assuming I was wrong off the top of the episode, and this was not the final episode of The Flash, where do you think he went? Your guess is as good as mine. I want to say that he went to another Earth or like he was slammed either forward or backward in time and just so happened to burn out of his suit. Um, it's going to be really awkward if he wakes up naked somewhere. Um, Although you'll be looking forward to it. 
As long as he's crying, yeah, sure. Wow, that sounds crying really naked Barry. <laughs> that sounds really terrible. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't think he's dead. But honestly, I'm shit at predictions, so I, I don't know where he could be. But also, if like, if they keep Barry on a shelf. For like a season and a half, two seasons, maybe just one season, maybe like two weeks. Okay, cool. Wally and Jesse have been hit with this particle accelerator explosion. Maybe they are needed to rise up and save Central City. I mean, obviously it would maybe fail horribly because it took Barry so long to get even the basics of his powers down. But I mean, Central City isn't totally defenseless well where i think he went is in the comics there's this thing called the speed force and they've alluded to it in the show but they've never specific way but the speed force is sort of an extra dimensional energy source and in the comics the speed force is an afterlife for the anyone who is a speedster so that's where you know the original flash ends up that's where wally west ends up after he dies spoiler alert that's where barry allen ends up after he dies so assuming they've taken that idea and established the idea of the speed force as an extra dimensional barrier and that's where Barry is, what do you think will bring him back? Uh, Iris's unconditional love for him? I don't, I don't know. See, I'm torn between it being, you know, the cliched, it's Iris's love and him coming back for that, or will it be, you know, Central City at risk? Because the one is a sort of standard romantic you know, being brought back for the love of the, the person who loves you. And the other is sort of the more heroic, my city needs me or my country needs me or my, you know, my planet needs me or whatever. So I'll be interested. I, I suspect you're right. I suspect the reason they had Iris confess her love. I was being really sarcastic. I really hope that they don't go with that. That is like the, the cheapest. I, I get it. But damn CW, can't you do anything else? Yeah, I, I yeah. As I say, I, I my suspicion is that they'll go with the it's the it's the purity of love that brings him back. Although it'd be funny if it brought him back at a point in time earlier than when Iris told him how she felt, so that once again his traveling in time wiped all of that out. <laughs> the speed yes. force can be a bitch. What can I say? That would be amazing. I mean, it would be terrible for him, and he would cry some more, which would be You'd good get, for me. And that would be great for you. More <laughs> disgusting yeah, crying. Exactly. He needs to cry some more. It makes me happy. Okay, we don't know how Barry's going to get it back, but we're pretty sure he's going to get back. I personally think it'll happen within the next episode or two. I don't think they're going to try doing an entire season of a show called The Flash without a character called The Flash. But uh, you know what? There's only three episodes left in the season, so let's skip spoilers this week. Screw you if you haven't been keeping up. You can, you can Google that. Instead, what I'm going to do is ask Jess to simply tell us how the show did in the ratings last week. Jess, were a lot of people tuning in for this particular episode, or were people giving it a pass? Okay, so the ratings are coming your way, everybody, but I just want to make sure first... To let you know to check out our official Facebook like page by visiting facebook.com slash the Central City Chronicle. And with that out of the way, see, that was fast. I can do fast. The ratings for The Flash this week, it was 3.3 3 
three sorry 3.34 million total viewers and a 1.3 in the demo which actually was steady but also the season two finale of the flash has been retitled oh yes i said no spoilers jess if you're going to do a spoiler i have to go back in time which i can do and fix that so are you giving a spoiler here shit should i just redo that no don't be silly just Go ahead. And do it. <laughs> I'll okay. go back in time and fix all of this. Right. Okay. So. Spoiler alert. Yeah. No. <laughs> the season two finale of Flash has been retitled "The Race of His Life." I personally relate to that title as I know what the race of your life feels like when you really have to pee every single day. I race the race of my life. Having to find the toilet. It's very dramatic. And that's it. Thank, thank you, Jess, for taking this show about deep emotions and caring and sacrifice and turning into a pee joke. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am mentally celebrating my fifth birthday next week if anybody wants to get me anything or send cards. I can't believe I requested this be a solo Jess episode. Oh my God. I'm learning. <laughs> You you are my reverse flash. You are my Harrison Wells. Anyway, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Chronicle. Visit poppychularadio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more. Registered users will gain access to our archives of previous their broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for the Central City Chronicle and subscribe. And please leave a five-star review. Is it going to kill you? No. Like us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash the Central City Chronicle. Also, like Poppy Chula Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Poppy Chula Radio. Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Do you have fun stories about having to urinate in public? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Just wish the listeners good night. Good night, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of the Central City Chronicle. Good night. Good night.